John Green. And I'm Emily Bonneville. And this is Performance Check. What's our topic today, Emily? Today we're going to be talking about our characters' ability scores, particularly embracing our low scores as the base of our character. That sounds great. Uh, before we get into it, we need to go ahead and thank a sponsor if we had one. But since this is a brand new show, uh, I just wanted to remind everyone to shop at the, using the Tomes Amazon store. Just go to the Tome Show webpage and then click the link there and continue to shop as you normally would. Whoa, hey. Okay, sorry to jump in right away, but it looks like we actually do have a sponsor and a fantastic one at that. EasyRollerDice.com. Let's hear a quick word from them. Like dice? Need more dice? Check out EasyRollerDice.com for amazing dice, including their gunmetal and rose gold collections. When you visit, make sure to use coupon code TOME, that's T-O-M-E, at checkout and save 15% immediately. Again, go to EasyRollerDice.com and use code TOME at checkout and save 15% and snag yourself some great dice and gaming accessories. Okay, still here? Still alive? Great. On with the show. Right, so in this very first episode of Performance Check, we want to uh, spend some time talking about, uh, about the ability scores that make up the backbone of our character. So Emily, why don't you tell me a little bit about why you first pitched this topic as one that you wanted to discuss? Just because the low score can be so can have so much in it. it it's a good way to start your character it's also can help you exp go back in the past of your character and figure out why they have a low score there and building upon that especially if it's in the uh, the intelligence the wisdoms or the charismas like there's a reason if your character has a low charisma what is it what's in your past that caused this so it's a good jumping off point but Emily, I thought my highest statistic was my most important one. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, your highest is your highest characteristic is your is your best one for in a battle. So you know to use that and follow that train of thought. If you're strong, then you hit with a hammer. But it, you, the, there's not much personality that can come out of those i mean yes you're good at it okay so is everybody else is good at something it's really the flaws of the characters that make it that add flavor to the world yeah I, i'd agree with that I, I definitely think um you know as i'm going back and watching more shows and movies um you know when a character who is good at everything like they're the uh, you know they're the smartest they're the strongest they're the fastest they're you know they're the ones who never get fooled that gets really boring really quickly um, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people talk about like Mary Sue or Gary Stew or whatever it is, those characters that have no flaws, and they're just boring. Um, but I'm really finding that as I watch more movies and TV shows and read more books, it's a character's flaws and his problems that really make them go from just being a, okay, sure, to, oh, hang on, this is actually really interesting and really fascinating. A good example, one uh, one of the Marvel shows that has gotten the most acclaim is the TV show Jessica Jones, and she's interesting because she is so flawed. She's such a dark, complex hero who has all this baggage and all these problems, and that's what makes it fascinating to watch. And so you can see her development as a character. And really with, uh, I mean, I think most you know points of, of nerd culture, if you, uh, you go back and you look at the shows 
that really means something and that you always remember and you talk about, oh, these were the great stories, it's because you get to see the characters grow and change and, you know, succumb to their flaws, overcome their flaws, things like that. And a lot of that goes back and starts from the low stat. It helps make them feel more human, even if they're not, because everybody's flawed. If you having no flaw makes no sense like i've never met a human in real life that has no flaw so meaning characters that have no flaw is always hmm yeah it's just like and you know sometimes it just comes from not thinking sometimes it comes from you know people use rpgs as a form of escapism and don't want to you know introduce a character with a flaw and sometimes it comes because you just had really bad gms and you know that if you have any weak points then your gm is going to jump in there and he's going to get you so you don't want to have any weaknesses whatsoever so yeah. come, that, that desire to have no flaws comes from a lot of like there, there can be many reasons for that some of them are you know justified but in the end i think it makes for a much weaker character yeah or you could just be like my friend my friend rolls amazingly so she rolled all her stats and they're all amazing stats and i'm like really your gnome has 23 strengths she's like yes like <laughs> great <laughs> um uh, that's yeah like it's it's very strange when I think about myself now versus how I was when I first started playing. Um, you know, when I first started playing, if I had rolled, you know, straight 18s all the way down for all my stats, I would have been ecstatic. Like, yes, my character's perfect and great. And now, if I if I had that same role and I was making a character now, I'd probably be like, eh, nah. Let's let's try this again. Let's re-roll this. Like, it's fun to have a couple of high stats, but it's also, you know, the best stories I feel like come from failure. And a lot of times that's reflected in the things that we're bad at and where our flaws are and where our weaknesses are. Um, now Emily, you have a very strong theater background, especially compared to me. Um, so I guess from a more of an academic kind of theater perspective, what is it about a character's weaknesses that you think makes for better stories, makes them more interesting? Like I was saying before, it's that human touch everybody is flawed everybody has flaws and finding that flaw whether you have to search through an entire play and highlight all the lines and write everything down and see okay i think this character would have a like has issues here their flaws is here or just building your own character it's it adds that little spice that says okay because if you have no flaws you cannot grow and a character that can't grow is not a character. Yeah. It's just yeah. yeah. Um, so one thing that um, one thing that comes to mind is uh, whenever people you know you always hear people talk about oh Han shot first they make it a big deal that you know Han Solo shot first shot first because when they read the Star Wars movies in the nineties they change it so he didn't um, and you know it's a dumb thing for nerds to get upset about as if you know nerds ever really needed a reason to get upset <laughs> but it is kind of one of those that I agree with because it, you know that's what showed. You know, seeing him like that when you first introduced versus what you know him coming back to save Luke at the end of, of the original Star Wars, you get to see a little bit of his moral arc. You get to see him changing from being a shoot first and protect number one guy to actually no, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to go back and try to save my friend. Like, and you see that kind of grow and progress. You see this fun moral arc because you see him change. Yeah. And if you never def- see a character change, then what's the point? Pretty much. I mean. If he didn't like you, and it's not like even whether he shoots first or not, you know he that's the type of character he was, even if they removed it because he won't do anything till he's promised money. We're going to save a princess. Okay, now I'll come. Yeah. Like that's not 
obviously the character if he was a perfect character it's like oh saving some a damsel in distress let's go like it doesn't matter who it would be it's just be like i'm doing it for glory or yeah until yeah until luke says that line she's rich you know that yeah. he doesn't really care yeah, um, yeah. so we're, i mean i know we're going a little bit off topic but off topic but you know when we talk about flaws those are the kind of things where you know if you look back to the the greatest characters in you know nerd and geek culture it's because they have those flaws and their weaknesses that they become interesting and captivating that you want to know more about them. Definitely. Even like in everything, like I was thinking like a good example of a character with low intelligence, but high wisdom is Dory from Finding Nemo. (laughs) She is, she is dumb. She forgets everything. But when she has those moments of clarity, her idea always works out. Like, that... when she gets that wisdom, like, no, that's not a good idea. We should do this. It's true. But yeah, then she... halfway through... So, yeah, her instincts are very good, even if, even yeah. though she may, may not even remember why she has those instincts. Yeah. Actually, so that's a really good transition point. So let's actually go through and talk about some of the various statistics and uh, give some examples of a character where that low trait is their kind of defining characteristic. And also talk about how, I guess, you know, people can use having a low strength or a low wisdom or a low charisma in their game as something that makes their character interesting. So do we feel like starting with the mental statistics, uh, intelligence, charisma, wisdom, or do you want to start with physical ones, strength, dexterity, constitution? Um, I think the mental ones are probably the easier ones to build off for personality. Okay, sure. So we can start there since we've already started there. Yeah, so intelligence. You just gave uh, the great example of uh, of Dory from Finding Nemo, and that was one that I hadn't really considered as a low intelligence character. Yeah, I mean, the reason that character is, is interesting is because, you know, she, she can't remember anything. That's kind she, of, yeah. yeah, that's her shtick. And yeah. all the other stuff and, is, is good, but without that one shtick. And if she wasn't flawed, she wouldn't have her own spinoff movie. Like, <laughs> they didn't make a second Finding Nemo. They didn't make a Marlin movie. They made a Finding Dory movie. They took a second character and made her the lead of her own movie because she was interesting. Yeah. And um, and you know, it, it's so easy to just say when someone says, you know, a low intelligence character to me, it'd be like, oh, well, that's like, uh, you know, Jane from Firefly or Joey from Friends. You know, those characters who are just kind of like dumb and... <laughs> um, but Dory is an, interesting, uh, is an interesting example. So in our, like, in our own games, whenever we're making characters... How do you think we can use having a low intelligence? Like, what kind of things can we do to make a low intelligence character interesting? It's usually if you look at all the low intelligence characters, they tend to have a big heart. Something else, even though their intelligence is low, there's a reason to do good and there's a reason to be um, still conscientious of others. It's not just like, oh, I'm stupid, so I'm going to go poke that. I mean, sometimes there's that, but there's always, like, a sense of let's protect the others also. What uh, One way I've seen it used a little bit uh, in, in odd ways before is whenever that that low intelligence is at a direct clash with some of the other, de- with some of the other desires of the character. Like, it's very possible, and, you know, I've, you know, I've met people like this in real life, you know, someone who's just who's just dumb, but they still have that passion. Like, they want to learn, and they want to be exposed to new things, even if they don't really understand it. Um in a D&D game, you can have the example of, you know, a cleric who is very devout to his uh, to his god or goddess and, um, you know, wants to know about them, but, you know, really struggles with reading his own religious texts and has to kind of, like, you know, like, think about what an interesting moment that could be to like, make characters bond 
when the cleric has to go to the to the wizard and say, "Hey, could you could you read this to me? Like these are you know this is the holy book of of Bamet or whatever it is, and I'm really struggling with some of these words. Could could you read this to me?" And that's one of that can be you know the type of moment that's really sweet and really interesting and creates very interesting bonds between these two players because you're letting um, you know because you can use your low stat to lean on another character. That's so cute. Oh, sorry. I'm gushing because I'm a girl right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's well, adorable. Regardless it is. of gender, it's adorable. <laughs> it is adorable. I mean, one of the great thing, uh, examples of that, if you're up to date on um, shows like Critical Role, they just had a year break. And during this year break, the cleric uh, Pike taught Grog the Goliath how to read. He can read four to five letter words now, and he can write his own name, and he can write a sentence over a short rest. <laughs> and I thought that was so cute. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the yeah, and that's the exact kind of thing, especially um, you know, if if you look at a lot of like character growth, because so much of like leveling up is focused on what new abilities do I have, what new feats do I get, what new spells do I learn, etc. Um, but another aspect of you know of leveling up and as your characters grow is finding ways that, you know, you try to overcome your flaws, just like, you know, hopefully we all try to do in real life. Um, so that's a fantastic example of being like, hey, yes, I know I'm really dumb. I want, you know, I'm going to try to learn how to read. Or, you know, we've been encountering a lot of goblins. I want to try to learn to speak goblin. You know, so if this is the kind of thing that you do, that's a fun thing to roleplay. That's also a really great thing to talk to your GM about and be like, hey, I want to have this be an aspect of my really low intelligence character so that I can grow and it can change later. And most GMs will jump at the chance to have your character go through some really neat and interesting growth. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump on to uh, onto wisdom. You know, wisdom it covers a lot of different things. It's it's probably one of the broadest and most difficult to define out of all of them. But I guess when I think of a low wisdom character, that's the kind who is um, they're a little bit naive. They're not very intuitive. They don't always realize the impact of what they do. And of course, there's some bleed over between wisdom and intelligence here. It's kind of hard to define. So Emily, when you think about a very low wisdom character, so what are some examples that uh, that you think we could give? Oh, you always always stop me with those. Oh, let me think. All right. Um. So one that uh, one that I was discussing with a friend was the character uh, Jesse from Breaking Bad. Um. I'm not, I don't get into too much detail just because I know it's still a vaguely new show and spoilers and things like that. But you know, he's a character like overall he he really is intelligent. Like he he he's intelligent. He makes some good choice. Like, like when it comes down to like just the chemistry or having to cook things, like he's he's not dumb, but he just has like he he makes terrible choices because he doesn't have a good sense of what are the long term impacts. Who can I trust? Who can I not trust? Um, like there are people who just take advantage of him over and over, just because he he doesn't have a very high like high wisdom. He doesn't really stop to think a lot of these things through. And even when he does, kind of like right, I'm going to make a decision. This is what I'm doing he's kind of easily persuaded to come back into it just when he tries to get out. Um, so that's one example that I had of a low wisdom character. And you've also always got the very traditional person who's just like straight up naive, like who doesn't realize that the, um, you know, the person's trying to, is trying to take advantage of them or the con man is, you know, pulling the wool over their eyes. Um, you know, the, uh, one of that, the most famous episode of the Simpsons, uh, Marge versus the monorail. Uh, I mean, basically, Marge is the only person in the entire town who makes her wisdom check because everyone else is like, oh, no, this is a good idea. We do need a monorail. This is a great thing because they don't really stop and, you know, they're easily 
you know, the wool's pulled over their eyes, and they're easily kind of blindsided by someone who's, you know, fast-talking, charming. Like, it's, you know, you'd see how often the charisma and wisdom uh, conflict with the one, uh, one another when you're talking about, um, like, your your insight or your, your intuition. Those are always wisdom-based skills, whereas, like, you know, lying and, or, you know, just talking purdy, those are always your charisma-based skills. So when you're trying to think of a, a low wisdom type character, I, I found that it's sometimes handy to think about the skills that are very charisma heavy and think about, okay, how would, I guess, how would you not combat those, but how would you re resist those? And a lot of times that's kind of where wisdom will reside. Definitely. And there's always a lot of, there's a lot, often there's a lot of characters, especially I think sorcerers end up being often highly intelligent but sometimes their um, wisdom stats can take a little dive so just that that wizard that throws its I just got a fireball I'm gonna try a fireball inside bad idea <laughs> yeah that's um and yeah so we're talking actual role playing that's that's a great example of you know the person who has all these new spells and new magic or new abilities and just doesn't always recognize the best time to use it um like the wizard who does not understand the range of his own fireball, that's, you know, that's, you know, make sure you're doing it in the right kind of group where everyone will have fun and see it as humorous, not like, oh, dear God, why did you murder us all? You know, so use some oh. common sense when you're yeah. playing that kind of character. But, um, yeah, just, that, oh, go ahead. Because I've seen it done where it's like, oh, I'm going to got a fireball. I'm going to shoot that fireball towards that big thing coming. It kills the big thing. It also killed the other little dwarves that were and goblins that were running out away from the big thing. Like, oh, I killed it, and some of you guys, and some of the bad guys, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, not realizing the uh, the consequences of your actions thing. I think that's a really big one that um, you can have a lot of fun with, especially you know um, if you do have that situation where you know your character really does screw up badly. Like that's another one of those instances where character growth can really happen. You can have like you know big heart to hearts with other characters, like you know in game, um, mm -hmm. and hopefully you know make a more interesting story and a more compelling PC because of it. Definitely. Right, and uh, so the last uh, last one of the mental stats, charisma. Oh, oh, charisma. <laughs> <laughs> which is both the most powerful and least powerful stat that you can have. So, you know, the, uh, the high charisma characters, you know, typically those are, a lot of times, those are, those are your bards, those are your sorcerers, and they are, they're smooth-talking, they're charming, they're, uh, they convince anybody of anything. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, my thought is, you know, that's a lot of times where you have the people, you know, who just straight up can't lie. Um, or maybe like they have a very obvious tell when they're lying. My uh, my favorite is whenever one of my players has you know is a tiefling character, and they botch a roll when they're trying to lie, is you know taking that back to well your tail was twitching all over the place as you tried to stare this person down and tell them a lie, you've got this weird tell where your tail just starts you know fl flicking around like a cat. Um, the other part of it I think is the low charisma characters. Those are the not you know so often you know charisma becomes about. You know, are, are they very pretty? Are they very, you know, attractive? Whereas low charisma, that, that could, you, know, you could be fairly attractive and you're still, you're just an have, awkward person. Yeah, definitely. Or I was thinking about that. Um, you could be also a depressed person, like an Eeyore type character. You can tell I work with kids because all my references come out of kids' movies. <laughs> but like, okay, not sure it's going to work, but I'll try. You know, that, that. 
kind of slightly always pessimist. You know, I'm going to follow you guys because you told me to do this. And I will try because you told me to try. But I don't think it's going to work. If it works, it works. But, you know, very just like... Yeah, so Eo is a good example. Uh, Puddleglum from the Chronicles of Narnia books is another ex- character the same way. That low charisma, ah, this is going to be a disaster. This isn't going to work. You know, not the not the rousing, inspiring leader that you want someone to be. The kind of like, oh yeah, okay, I guess. Mm. <laughs> um, it could also just be the person who, when they're put on the spot, just doesn't do that well in those kind of situations. Um, and like, maybe, you know, as you're as you're you know fleshing out your character you can specify what some of those are um so the tv show firefly the character simon you know who's a brilliant doctor good looking the second he has to talk to a girl you know he, he folds up and he clams up and he's awkward and he says the wrong thing or when they try to get him to go and like lie and pretend that he's someone he's not he's like uh yeah, yeah me hmm. you know no one is going to say that that person is not attractive or maybe even you know couldn't be convincing when he needs to but he's just got these huge gaps where when it comes down to it he's not the person you want to go to try to woo the princess and charisma is definitely one of those stats that's easier to explain in your backstory like if you were raised in the monastery by and weren't allowed to socialize because you were a prodigy or something like that you'd probably end up with low charisma because you were taught you were shown books and were raised around adults who went read this now i test you read this now i test you obviously if you go back in the big world you won't be able to you wouldn't be able to catch that somebody's trying to pull the wool over your eyes or that um probably wouldn't be too good at talking to people yeah yeah, and I mean, or same thing for um, people like uh, like barbarians or druids. They're like, yeah, no, I mean, if it comes down to, like, you know, if there's a wolf or a dog, sure, I can talk to them all day. A person, I've not, I've not dealt with a lot of these people. And just not picking up on those social clues that, you know, everyone else kind of gets. Um, so, again, these are the things that, you know, in-game, you can really have a lot of fun with. You know, don't take it to extremes and annoy your party. But, um, you know, those are things that, you, yeah, like, like you just said, you could easily tie into your background, and um, you you can just make so much fun. All right, um, any last thoughts about the mental stats before we talk about the physical ones? I don't think we touched on making sure you don't, um, even though you're staying true to your character, you don't do something completely bad to your party. Like yeah. if you're if you're not an intelligent character, we touched a little bit like saying like i'm gonna do something try not to like there's an orb it could kill us all i'm gonna go touch it instead of just that's in your character to do but like remembering to warn your party like i'm walking towards this orb with my hand out so that the rest of your party can stop you from doing something instead of oh i touched the orb and we're all dead yeah yeah that's uh, completely, I'm with you 100. Um, yeah, we've kind of like mentioned it tangentially in a lot of these. But, yeah, um, it's easy, especially with some of these situations, because you know sometimes social situations can be the ones that are the most dif- uh, difficult and can have the longest impact. It's you know it's easy to try to say the wrong thing, touch the wrong thing, run your mouth when you shouldn't, uh, go up and like, oh hey, I'm gonna you know like I'm going to poke this orb, I'm gonna touch this magic glyph, I'm just, you know because. 
you, you just, you know, you're not a bright person. You're like, yeah, what, what's the worst that could happen? Make sure and that you're working with your party and your GM so that they're, that either, they're either prepared for shenanigans that will inevitably occur, or that, um, you know, even if you've got, like, a buddy in the party, like we talked about, you know, the, the uh, cleric who has to get the wizard to read his, his spell book, that can work the other way, where, you know, the wizard who is, just has no, no wisdom, you know, walks up and is trying to, you know, about to go touch the, the thing. Like, having an agreement that in that case, like, the cleric like, hang on a second, why don't you, why don't you stay back for just a minute and, and look at this a little bit before we just run into that. You know, work with other characters, and you can make those checks and balances between characters a really fun and interesting way to expand your, expand really the whole party and kind of create those bonds between them. It definitely can help create if we're like if it's over an item and not just like something in the room, but like if you decided to put a deck of many things in your in your campaign and it example critical role, the Goliath Barbarian is now in possession of a deck of many things and tries to pull cards, but everybody he's he goes to his best friend who's the cleric and they look at it, but she she did a she got a nat twenty on her check. So they they're although they both want to do it, the conscious of I don't think this is a good idea and that check and balances, like now the the point is if he wants to pull another a card out of the deck, they have to do it together. So you have a party member who with low intelligence in possession of something that could be very dangerous, but everybody knows he has it and they're kind of checking up on him, making sure nothing bad happens. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I mean, if we, you know, if we always, you know, stop and take this back to, uh, you know, to, to real life analogies, you know, a lot of us have that one friend where we know, all right, if Steve's been drinking a lot, we need to make sure we don't let him talk to certain people because Steve's the kind of guy who picks fights when he's drunk. You know, it's it's about knowing your friends and knowing to, uh, you know, when to step in. You know, when you know that one of your friends is, you know, it's easy to look back at things like. Um, you know, when everyone is in middle school or junior high or whatever it is where you live, you know, when you find that someone, you know, everyone's awkward and no one has good charisma and everyone's just kind of stumbling around, you know, getting together in a group, like, right, we've got to text this person. What are we going to say? Like, right, we've got to have a group think about this to phrase it exactly right. So having these little stats, they can be a way to really annoy your party or they can be a really great way to connect to your party. And have those bonds you know, between you all deeper. Definitely. Um, so those are the um, those are the mental stats. Uh, physical ones, we'll go through these a little bit faster. Um, so before we get into that, so I feel like physical stats are. It's a lot more obvious, like how they're how they're useful and what it looks like when, that you you have a low version of that stat. But I feel like people don't play them as much. Like everyone is pretty good at playing. Oh, the really dumb fighter. But how do people play the low dexterity wizard? Like, what what does that look like to people? Tripping and falling. Sure. Um, so yeah, let's just go. Ahead, let's go ahead and start with let's start with dexterity. Um, yeah. So we, we've all seen like the super nimble dexterous character, and um, so the low dexterity. Yes, that's that's tripping and falling. Um, or just something as um, when it's not not in the midst of battle. But I've seen a character who's so clumsy that she kind of stumbles, drops food on herself, wipes the food, and her robes fall off. <laughs> Wait, what kind of food makes somebody's robes fall off? 
I don't know. This was a it's this was again critical role. It's Felicia Day's character in the two episodes she was on. She plays this very clumsy whip wizard and um with like I this that was the first time I saw somebody roll a negative for initiative. <laughs> 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 like she had a minus one initiative in the, one of the fights, but yeah, so she just played her as very very klutzy and like so she stumbled, dropped a bowl of mango, it went everywhere. She's trying to wipe it off her robes, and her robes fall off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's I mean that's the exact kind of thing. I mean, it could even be um, I so the uh, when you talk about things like like Lord of the Rings the character Gimli, you know, no no dexterity really at all and then you have those awkward moments of like oh well I, I can't you know i can't really make that jump i'm not i'm not good at this kind of thing you're gonna have to toss me because he knows that if he tries to run and jump he's just gonna fall and uh, though so that kind of situation you can make it like this really subconscious thing where somebody knows like oh man i i, I don't you know don't throw these things to me i'm just going to i'm just going to drop it or it's um it's really high up there Maybe you could play that up as my character has a fear of heights when really you've just got a low dexterity and you're going to be clumsy and fall. Yeah. Like these are, um, you know, just find those small ways out of combat or, you know, yes, you're, you're at the end, you spill your drink. And, um, you know, this, that can lead into, you know, a worst case, a crazy bar fight, you know, best case, like, you know, f- fun stories of, you know, you spill your drink on someone and you buy them a new one and then you meet a new contact and everything's great. Yeah. And also when it comes like, Obviously, if you've got a little dexterity, stealthing might not be your thing. But if you were a bird who has seeming, and so your entire party is stealthing on the side, and you're seeming like one of the person people of the city just walking in the middle like, I belong here, would be a way to go, yes, I know I can't stealth, so I'm not going to even try. I'm going to use my higher skills to be able to make it through this. Yeah. Yeah, so you can actually use your, your low stat as a way to drive your own creativity in, in playing. Um, and sometimes that might be like, right, I'm going to take a back seat or I'm not going to get you know all up close and personal. Um, but other times it might mean, yeah, exactly what you just said. Instead of trying to sneak out of the rest of them, I will, you know, I'm going to be the distraction maybe even in some situations. Yeah. And that's and that's like a, a ways to creatively let your low stat kind of fuel your actions. Um Okay, so let's let's talk about strength. I mean, I think it's very easy to think about the uh, the very low strength wimpy uh, wizard, or you know, just say halflings or gnomes in general who are a little bit a uh, little bit on the tiny side. So, how can we let a, our low strength drive creativity and character depth? Well, it's definitely going to cause you to have to think outside the box if you're trying to like it. A low strength character would think outside the box, trying to move something or do something. They might, if it, if if we're talking of a small character, instead of trying to move the rock, they find the hole just big enough for them and walk around the rock. And they might make it there before everybody else, just because they're trying. Everybody else is too big, trying to move the object out of the way when you've just already passed around it. In terms of just character development, um, you can also use things like low strength or whatever, and give your character like a nice like like Napoleonic complex, like, yeah, you're really tiny and skinny, so you feel like you've always got to prove yourself to these big, tough guys around you. And so, I mean, you can use things that, you know, maybe your character is does have a really low strength and is really kind of wimpy and still tries to get into fights all the time. Um, and, you know, and that's why you need your big, dumb Bob the Fighter friend to come in and save your butt every single time. 
I mean, the, the important thing is, I think with all of these, as we're, you know, we're giving a lot of examples, is finding ways where you can use that low stat to make your character interesting and make your character have more depth. Yeah, and that goes back to what you were talking about when you were talking about the low intelligence and the wizard connecting for reading some reading the, the religious tomes um having if you have low strength you might be really but have high charisma you'd obviously realize that being friends with the person with maybe lower intelligence but strong is adventurous to you like you were saying like i have i start the fight but i run behind the legs of my buddy as soon as the fight starts and he fights for me <laughs> yeah and except if, if you're working with another player you can have a lot of fun with that kind of stuff yeah i think playing to your lower stats really helps cement um friendships between the players and grow the group together okay so the very last one constitution um, so the low con character, this is, um, I mean, the one that I always think of is basically every scientist in every movie ever made is always the, the low con, the, uh, the weakling, the skinny person, the one who, you know, can't take a punch. I feel like that's how it gets played in, in D and D a lot. It's just like, Oh, I don't want to get up front because I, you know, I don't have the hit points for it. I'm just going to stand in the back and you know, cast fireball or shoot arrows or do whatever. But I think some other interesting ways that you can play having a really low constitution is, um, I mean, think about how you how we use that term in real life and talk about somebody who has a very low constitution. That's usually the kind of person who is very sickly, like who gets, you know, just gets ill a lot. Like, I think yeah. we've all, you know, we've all met people who are like, man, it seems like you have always got a cold or, you know, you, you're always... Um, <clears throat> And yet they're always the one with the bottle of Purell on them. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, the, the extreme germaphobes <laughs> that have to have like Purell all the time because they just get sick so easily. Um, you know, the kind of person where, they, you know, you, you sneeze and like barely bump their nose and their nose starts bleeding. And I think from a role play perspective, you can have a lot of fun with that. Like after you, uh, you know, after you and the party go and fight the ice giants, uh, you know, th th and then go back to the end the next day coming back. And you spend the rest of the time talking like this because you've got a cold. And, you know, fake sneezes, the whole thing. You can really have a lot of fun from a roleplay perspective. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So, no, sorry. I just thought if you were a um, wild magic sorcerer, how much fun you could have if you were DM DMing that. Every time they sneeze, something bad could happen. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> just... Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, my... these are the kind of things, obviously, to talk with your DM. But that's, that's a great example of... <laughs> Like, oh, crap, the sorcerer's got a cold again. And every time he sneezes, his hair changes color. Or, um, like, I don't know if you want to go full-blown on the wild magic table, because there's some weird stuff on there. But these are things you can really play around with and have a lot of fun with. Um, or... Yeah, also an example of a character with low constitution could just be somebody who can't take the sight of blood. <laughs> um, oh, man, a D&D character that gets sick of the sight of blood. Yeah, that's great, and that can be so a lot like... of fun. Like the druid is sorry we can't move. The druid is throwing up behind the bushes again. You know, just like in real life, you know, if if you go out a lot, everyone's you know, you, everyone knows that one friend who just can't hold their liquor whatsoever, and everyone else is fine. And then suddenly, two drink, two glasses of wine later, and you know, Jane is she's off in the bathroom, you know, hurling her guts out because she just can't hold her liquor, and 
you know the same kind of thing with a Locon character when everyone's you know back at the tavern after a you know you know after defeating the the fire giants this time, everyone's having you know drinks and you've got your ale or you've got your whiskey or dwarven fire water or whatever the hell you want to call it, <laughs> and then Jane the cleric is off in the corner, throwing up because that poor girl just cannot she cannot hold her uh, her dwarven fire water, or just passes off after like halfway through the first glass, just passed out at the table. Yeah, and um, you know, again, don't. This is the kind of thing like with everything else. Don't take it to the point where it's obnoxious. But you know, for just like fun, character-defining moments, these are the things that uh, you know. Just, just think about how like, when when you think about oh, a really good party that we went to, or a really good uh, you know night out on the town. You know, you remember all the details. Like you know, you talk about oh hey, like, you know, with your friends in real life about the time everyone went out and, you know, say got really drunk or whatever. And then James, you know, he, uh, he ended up getting really sick and we had to put him in a cabin cinema. Ha 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 ha. Isn't that so funny, James? You know, these are the kind of things that in real life we remember. And I think in our D and D games, we sometimes forget and overlook. All right. Um, so we spent a lot of time talking about this. Uh, any last thoughts about the stats or anything that we didn't discuss that uh, you want to bring up, Emily? No, just remember to have fun. Yeah, and again, I mean, all this is to to have fun, to create memorable characters so that, you know, years from now, we've always got that one or two, you know, session, character, whatever, that everyone remembers and you love to talk about and reminisce with your uh, with the rest of your D&D group. And these are the kind of things that will help make those characters that you remember and that you want to, that you want to tell stories about. And you're always like, oh, what, remember when we, back when we, I had, uh, you know, I had Jim the Wizard? Wasn't he, uh, wasn't he so great? Remember the time he, you know, did this and this and this? by really amplifying your low stats. Those are the kinds of things that make stories that people really remember. No one remembers the characters, you know, because they had 20 characters who all had, you know, 17 17 strength. But lots of people remember the time that, you know, the bard tried to get into an arm wrestling contest with the half-orc and ended up getting thrown through the table. Like, those are the things <laughs> that people remember. Definitely. And also, if... If you have an idea for a character, just talk to your GM or your DM about it. If, especially if it's something off the wall, most likely they'll be into it, but it's nice to warn them that, hey, I'm planning on going there. Yeah, and uh, GMs, make sure that players have an opportunity to explore some of this, this, this stuff without fear of punishment. Like, if, character, if they're trying to explore their character's flaws, don't say, like, ah, ha, ha, here's a weakness, now I can get them. You know, be be a fan of your characters. Be a fan of the story that you're telling and that they're telling, and work on telling it together, so that these flaws are what things that make the story more interesting, not a way for you to punish your characters or secretly get at your characters. Definitely. Okay, and I think that's it from us. Um, Emily, is there anywhere that uh, on Twitter, online, that people can find you if they want to get in touch with you if they have any questions? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Miley, that's M-Y-L-I-E, uh, no, actually, that's Mistress Miley, but Miley's still spelled that way, four, and I think on the Instagram is just Mistress Miley, because I was not the fourth one to get my name. <laughs> Again, Miley is M-Y-L-I-E. Okay, great. And, uh, if you're trying to get in touch with me, you can reach out to me on Twitter at at John underscore M underscore Green. Uh, that's J-O-N underscore M underscore G-R-E-E-N. Uh, but you're free to reach out to me. You can also email the Tome Show at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we look forward to, uh, to the next episode and talking with everyone later. Thanks. Bye.